Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, joined by Heartbeats President Jarrell Godsey and our Senior Director of Medical Impact, Krista Brown, to discuss a recently published white paper by Heartbeat International on the changing face of abortion today. And as we talk about abortion trends since the overturn of Roe, we can keep in mind that the Abortion Pill Rescue Network stands ready to help women who want that chance to reverse the effects of the abortion pill and save their baby. If you're interested in learning more about the Abortion Pill Rescue Network and how your pregnancy help organization can join, visit aprnworldwide.com. Well, Jarrell and Krista, thank you for joining us, and I'll turn things over to you. Thanks, Christine. Hey, it's great to visit with you, Krista. I know that your team has been especially busy. Uh, you've been with us really since the beginning of kind of taking on the abortion pill, at that time, abortion pill reversal network, and we, we've changed it to abortion pill rescue network. Uh, and, and it's been one of the most kind of interesting things about uh, the opportunity to help women through that process is to really be engaged with them as they're actively aborting their child, right? That it's it's one thing the pregnancy movement has for decades been involved with those who are in the decision and helping them make a life-affirming decision, of course, is our preference. Um, but it's been an altogether new experience, really, to be more closely connected to the actual decision of, 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 of being in the midst of an abortion, really, with a chemical abortion. And so your team has been at this for a number of years now, right? We took that on in uh, early 2018 and been at this for uh, into our sixth year of working it. And you've been at the heart of all of that, making it happen, Krista, for which we are grateful. Uh, but that's given us a really interesting perspective on what she's facing and how what she's facing is changing around her. And so I guess that leads me to like, wow, wh why write this paper, Changing Face of Abortion Today? Why, why write this now? Well, definitely, I would say there are two different realities that are hard to reconcile. There is the reality that um, big abortion puts out, that the media sort of regurgitates. Um, and then what we actually see in pregnancy help clinics and abortion pill rescue every day. So when we hear about the trends that are happening, and then we hear about abortion in the media, or we hear how big abortion would advertise that these medications are safer than Tylenol, or it's just a pill. And then we hear about the women hurt. Um, we hear, hear about the women who die from chemical abortion. We hear about the number of lives lost through chemical abortion. Um, it doesn't quite fit that narrative. And so since 2018, when Heartbeat International acquired the APR network, we've seen changes happen slowly. But then in 2023, it felt like much happened much more quickly um, since the overturn of Roe, and also just as big abortion works to expand chemical abortion in an even greater way. Um, there were there were also, if I could just mention very quickly, there were a couple cases in December that sort of put an exclamation point on this. Um, there was one woman who was 22 weeks and one woman who was 24 weeks, and abortion providers were... Um, I had taken them on as patients and had decided to use chemical abortion to abort those pregnancies. And the one actually happened, I was in Columbus for our Christmas party and um, she described her trip to another state to have her abortion at 22 weeks. Um, her baby was actively moving on the plane. And then after they started with mifepristone and laminaria, they gave her an injection in her abdomen. She didn't understand the process. She didn't understand that was digoxin injected into her baby's heart. 
And when she called the hotline, she described a heavy, heavy feeling of her baby on one side of her abdomen. And so for any mom who's felt that baby's movement at 22 weeks, um, her dating was actually a little more advanced than that compared to what the abortion provider gave her. Um, we were heartbroken for her. And I think sometimes in ministry, we're, we're, we're sort of given grace to do this every day and hear these stories. But in that situation, it felt like the Lord just really sort of um, took away the veil a bit and helped us understand how not only lives are being lost, but how many women are being damaged and hurt by this and allowed us to grieve a bit with him. Because I think the Lord has a lot of grief for what chemical abortion and all abortion is doing to um, women, families, and children throughout the world. So I remember you sharing some of the different things that you were finding, some of the findings that are actually in the in the paper. You were sharing with our leadership team at one at some point, and with the idea that um, these things have been happening in a short amount of time. I, you know, one of the big findings was uh, the drop of I think thirty five percent of the women now are not getting an ultrasound in advance, where one hundred percent were because that was part of the FDA requirements. Uh, those are, that's significant. Like that happened rather precipitously, right? Happened, drop yes. a big drop off in that. Um, but you're you're basically saying, I mean, 22 and 24 weeks. You're saying that women really today are accessing abortion very differently uh, than than they were just a couple of years ago. Um, help us understand that, and wh- why is it why is it concerning? Well, up until recently. Um, Chemical abortion was acquired in a very similar way that surgical abortion was, where you go to a brick and mortar abortion facility, you start your abortion there. The difference was, was surgical was completed there. A chemical abortion was completed at home. Um, But most of the women went to an abortion facility to at least start their abortions. And when we first acquired the network in 2018, that was the case. Nearly 100% of women went to a facility. They um, had their assessment. They had their informed consent. They paid their money and they started their abortion. But abortion um, has um, increased their access widely now. And so women are getting these drugs through organizations that have made it their mission to make abortion accessible no matter where you are in the world. That would be organizations like Aid Access and Plan C. Um, There are a number of websites that sell abortion drugs to anyone who has a credit card. And so you can just go online. You don't have to prove you're pregnant. You can order a number of these abortion pill kits online. Um, there, are, there are markets just across the southern border. So some will go into those markets. It, you don't have to be female to purchase these. You can purchase a number of abortion pill kits and you can bring them back, um, bring some for you, bring some for friends and family. You can stockpile in case there is a shortage. Um, and then we have a number of women who are just getting these drugs from family and friends. Um, just a few years ago, only 1% of our clients at APR, APR Network had acquired these drugs from the internet or from friends, but last year it was 22%. I expect that number to continue to increase as um, a lot of women would really prefer to not go through an abortion provider, but instead get these drugs in other ways. So you're saying that this is a, this is a prescription, right? This is something that's supposed to be only available uh, under a doctor's care, and you're saying when you when you say family and friends, they're accessing it apart from the care of a of any physician, to to your knowledge. Yes, yes, which includes doing like that. like like some back alley stuff. I know that the there's been reporting, and we've heard this as well, is that uh, in some parts uh, in southern states near the border, 
the the abortion pill is available at the back of the you know grocery store. You can it's not 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 from the grocer, but from you know sources that are uh, inside that are willing to just black market to retail those things, which is also consistent with some of the online um, uh, access, which is coming from what India, China, kind of completely around our. Um, our laws, in particular, and without scrutiny. So, not only do not only do we question like how the women is being woman is being cared for in that situation, but there's a lot of question as to whether or not these are even appropriate, you know, dosages, uh, pro- appropriate chemicals. These are are huge issues. Um, and, and isn't isn't that? Are there other ways that we differ from how what the FDA has approved? There are, there are, but even. Even the FDA approval has really changed um, in recent times. So when I look at the FDA website, I really do want to believe that um, they are working towards the heart of their mission, which is really to protect the American public from all drugs, not just mifepristone. But when you look at their approval process, when you look at how they've lessened the regulations, you do have to wonder if that really is their mission or if they are really um, being successful at their mission. Um, mifepristone never would have been approved had they not added a second drug to that regimen. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, even with the abortion providers um, giving the studies for it, they weren't able to make mifepristone, um, you know, work well enough in, in, without the misoprostol. And yet misoprostol has never been approved by the FDA for abortion. So here they are making their own abortion regimen, the FDA is, but yet they haven't approved their own drug. So a lot of it doesn't really reconcile again. You know, the, the two realities don't make sense. Um, but one of the biggest ways that abortion is being used outside of that FDA regulation right now is that they've only approved mifepristone through 10 weeks of pregnancy. And we're seeing, um, as I spoke about earlier, many more abortions being done beyond that. Many uh, And many other countries have already been doing this for some time. And during the COVID lockdowns, we suddenly saw many of the abortion providers start to prescribe it through 11 weeks. And we don't know what prompted that. We assumed that maybe there was a change coming with the FDA, but there was not to the state, still 10 weeks approval with the FDA, um, but we're seeing much beyond that. Um, in 2019, just six women had started reversal beyond 10 weeks. And last year, 127 women started reversal after 10 weeks. And so in many other countries, this is how they are prescribing chemical abortion in an effort to make it used throughout the pregnancy. And they're trying to sort of test boundaries to see what works and to see how they can get away with using this. But what they're seeing in other countries is a lot of adverse events, even more so than what we see in early chemical abortion. So in the UK, for example, um, where medicine is socialized and they're able to really obtain a lot of good numbers on what's happening, they're seeing a lot of damage to women. So in that country, these advanced um, chemical abortions beyond 10 weeks, they're having one in 30 with prolonged or heavy bleeds, one in 400 with infection, one in 60 requires surgery, one in 200 have a hemorrhage that re- requires emergency treatment, and one in a thousand require a full hysterectomy. And so if you're the one going in with your 22, 24, 27 week gestational pregnancy, you might think, well, I probably won't be that one in a thousand, but the number of abortions happening, one in a thousand is a lot of women requiring full hysterectomies, which means they will never carry another baby. And you're saying 
you're you're making kind of a, a well you're there's a point that you're um you're not stating directly which is which let me let me just ask the question if this is not the same uh prescription at the 24 week as it is at the eight or 10 week, right? I mean, th th aren't they having to increase dosage? Isn't this a, a, um, a different time of pregnancy with different things that are, are are happening that require dosages to be increased? Is that correct? Not always. Sometimes the dosage is the same, but what they're adding to it is the laminaria, so to dilate the cervix. And then they're often causing um, the baby to die prior to that second drug. And then they'll bring the mom in um, for the end of the termination, they will have her come in to a facility, to a clinic somewhere and have the baby delivered, the deceased baby delivered at the end. The issue is, is that's not always successful. That process is not always successful. So often these moms are now subjected unto, into some kind of surgical procedure to actually end the pregnancy. So then they're, they're really having to go through both situations versus just the one uh, yes. because of the... In, really the effort to increase the use of chemical abortions. Yes. Hmm. Now you, you said something, you know, you made a couple of points earlier about uh, how the access to chemical abortions is really creating opportunity for people who are not the woman themselves, right? Uh, of, of course, you know, that they could be a trusted family member or someone that is, uh, uh, that the, believes that they're really doing uh, uh, the best for them, but it could also be done by other actors as well who don't have her best interests in mind. Yes, that's absolutely true. And I think this is another case where the narratives just don't fit. So you see these situations where women are at a podium on a stage and they have their arms raised in the air and they talk about how abortion, you know, gives them choices and they feel empowered and triumphant in their abortion decision. And that's not what we're hearing. And one of the reasons is, is because the abuse and the coercion that can happen in correlation with chemical abortion. Um, in the beginning, they really advertised chemical abortion to be done in the privacy of your own home. And that was very appealing to many women because they don't want to go to an abortion facility. I don't know that very many people that really would want to. So the idea of having this in private sounds appealing. But for many who would abuse or hurt women, that would traffic women, that would pimp women, this is an opportunity to isolate her and to force what they want to happen with this pregnancy. So instead of empowering her with choices, they're pulling those choices away and they're saying, this is your one choice. So we've had women call our hotline who've been locked in bathrooms or or in closets, and they've been told you can come out when you agree to your abortion. Um, we've had women where the pills have been forced into their mouth or into their vagina so that they have no choice but to have this abortion. Um, we've had women who have been poisoned, so drinks and food, you can add these drugs to that, and then the woman doesn't even know that she's been poisoned. Um, we recently had a family member who replaced um, an antibiotic with the abortion pill, so the woman thought she was taking her antibiotic, and she instead was taking abortion pills, and this person thought they were doing them a favor by choosing abortion for her. And so all of these things, you know, wrapped, wrapped up, they just show that that wide expansion of the availability of these drugs is hurting women. It's not helping women. This is not the empowerment of women. Well, moreover, these are legal activities. And obviously, if, if it's something that uh, once we get past the point of uh, urgency related to the child, the abortion pill rescue network, uh, 
uh, we are, we can help connect them to those that can help pursue potentially legal means or other efforts to make these things known or uh, in trafficking situations, those there are paths that we have as well that we can help. And I know that your team does that. Um, that you're really describing also some of the clear understanding of how women are being affected mentally and physically in ways that you're to your point then the abortion big abortion narrative doesn't ever bother uh, even acknowledging much less addressing that's absolutely true um back in the day when surgical abortion was the the only abortion available and then for a time it was the primary abortion available we know that abortion was very dangerous and i used to work next door to a late-term abortion facility in michigan and we would commonly hear not just from women, but from the doctors who received these women in the hospital, the horrors that were happening, the, the horrendous things that happened during abortion. And they would contact us and they, the doctors would say, what is happening over there? There was another perforation. There was another um, hemorrhage. There was another infection. Um, this has to be stopped. And the woman would come in just grieved over their situation. Um, there were a couple full hysterectomies um, following their, their abortions at that facility. But as awful as surgical abortion was, um, chemical abortion has four times the adverse events as surgical abortion. It's much more dangerous. Um, the emergency room department visits have increased um, 400% due to abortion. So women are presenting regularly in these um, emergency departments. They are presenting as, as patients with hemorrhages and infections. This is a health crisis that we should be very much concerned about. Um, instead, it seems that many are willing to look the other way because they deem it as political as opposed to a public health crisis. In addition, um, we really have a mental health crisis because how this is affecting women's minds is, is atrocious. Um, one, in, one in three report depression, anxiety, substance abuse, thoughts of suicide. Um, and we know that um, not only are we, are we really truly um, having the destru destruction of human lives, but we're also having the destruction of women's bodies and women's minds through this type of abortion. Well, you mentioned women going into emergency rooms, but I, I think we've also heard reports of uh, them being coached on what to say when they go into by the by the abortion providers themselves. And uh, that seems certainly sound seems a bit um, uh, disingenuous to say the least, right? Uh, what they're what they're being told to say. What is it that they're being encouraged to say when they go into the emergency room? There are some websites and some other sources that would encourage them to not report what drug they've taken, which goes against all that we know in healthcare. You should always report your true symptoms and whatever medication you've taken, um, because that's a proper way for them to treat you. They would know how to help you if you're reporting those drugs. And so they're told to say they're having miscarriage. They're told to report their symptoms, but not report what medications they've taken. Which puts, can put them at risk, right? A, a, a doctor coming in or an ER doc or, or nurse is making an evaluation that, that they might, well, someone that could prescribe for them might prescribe something that, that would then be working uh, negatively with the current drugs that they're taking. I mean, every time I, I go to the doctor, which as I get older is more often, uh, is I, I'll constantly ask what drugs are, you, you know, what what are you, what's been prescribed? What are you taking? And so you so th that's a natural thing for all of us to do. And it seems, um, uh, well, we, we know this is the nature of big abortion that they really this this is not caring for the woman. This seems far more about protecting 
them from exposure to anything negative than it does really helping her be be um, properly treated by uh, healthcare professionals. Absolutely. It just proves that this is not true healthcare. This is never done in any other part of healthcare. Um, abortion is definitely a separate thing than true healthcare. So we often see in the in the public square the narrative about abortion as a right. It's you know it's it's a woman's right, and it, oh, it like you said before, it's one of those things that kind of presents as she's making this decision with co- clear faculties, you know, uh, as a as a expression of her, of her empowerment. When in fact we we know that most women are making this decision under duress. Uh, of, of some sort, uh, whether it's the she's feeling like the circumstances that she's in is uh, pressing in on her or, or as you mentioned earlier, someone in, in her life is really coercing her into this decision, even forcing her uh, into the decision. These are the kind of things that uh, we're seeing more and more often is the reality on the ground. That's the one narrative, like you said, that doesn't really match with what you read in the glowing reports from mainstream media or others who are um, uh, really shilling for the abortion industry. Uh, But we know that there is still room and opportunity uh, for her to change her mind if she's having regret after starting a chemical abortion. And those are the folks that you talk to the most. Um, Tell me what's the best way for her to get help. Sure. So when a woman makes that hard decision that she chooses an abortion and she swallows that first pill or she is um, forced to take that first pill, either case, um, and she's having regret. She's decided this is the way I think I need to go. But then after swallowing that pill, she realizes this is not the path I want to go down. This is not best for me, my baby, my family. There, there are still choices for her. There is still hope available to her. And she can contact us at the abortion pill reversal hotline. She can look at our website and she can talk to us by chat. There are so many ways that we can help her. And we will start with just answering her questions. Many people don't know this is possible. And many feel that they are probably the only ones in the world that would go to this extreme to pay for an abortion, swallow a pill, you know, make that hard decision, and then want to go back on that decision. But they are not, they are not alone. There are many others making that choice every single day. And we will explain what choices are available to her. And we will also connect her with a provider in her area to get that reversal started. Um, we are almost nearly 70% successful, where about 70% of those women are able to carry their babies to term. These children have no greater risk of birth defects. You wouldn't know the difference if you saw them in the grocery store walking down the street. Um, to date, our data shows more than 5,000 of these children walk the earth today. Um, that we've helped through the Abortion Pill Rescue Network. And we've helped women in all 50 states of the U.S. and in 86 other countries. So these women definitely are not alone. Our nursing team is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to take their calls. Well, one of the most striking things that I always uh, see in the statistics is uh, when you talk about uh, about abortion regret, that happens fast. Like most I think uh, last I saw it was 75% of the women who reach out to the hotline do so within the first 24 hours. And that to me is, you know, just talks about really what's going on in her life is incongruous with that empowerment message. She's not making that decision out of uh, absolute determination and empowerment. She really is doing it as a, as a, uh, uh, 
something that she is conflicted about because then then something else sets in right after she's done that we've had them call right from the the uh, parking lot of the abortion clinics as well uh, when that was more common uh, like literally having just walked out of it having just swallowed that pill that just shows you how kind of fragile they are in their um in in their decision making process and how they can be uh even I don't want to say tricked so much, but they can certainly be pressured into that decision, even in just the ignoring of another option, right? How many women, and we've had some, you know, some uh, moms who've gone through this and are, have reflected back on this. And what we've heard every time they've walked, I mean, you remember this, every time they walked into uh, to discuss uh, the their pregnancy with the so-called healthcare provider, right? They, they actually are just put on a immediate track towards abortion. Uh, is, is, is that what I'm remembering correctly? Yes, that's. they often want to know about their options. So what we hear commonly from women is, I wanted to hear more about what my options were. And when they express that, instead, they're told instructions for their abortion. That's what apparently the abortion providers hear is, here's instructions on how to complete your abortion, when really she wanted to know what other options do I have? What are how is this well-rounded? And that's the exact information that pregnancy help clinics give every single day. And I just, um, I just also want to just give credit to these women who call us how brave they are because they really do look that adversity that you just spoke about right in the face. They um, look at that. They, they know the circumstances that they're still going to continue to face. Um, and that might include an, a strong influencer or an abuser and instead they say, you know what, I want to continue this pregnancy. I want to fight for the, the life of my child. And every day I just stand in awe of every single one of them. Well, I couldn't agree more. To me, this is one of the great um, lessons that I've learned as a man in this working in this movement is really how strong women are when they can face obstacles and overcome them. And uh, even realizing that it may, you know, may come at some level of sacrifice uh, for themselves. Uh, and yet we've learned some other things as well. Some of the things that we hear about women who are pregnant in the moment, you know, the truth is, is that that's only a moment and they can often uh, recover from that and go on to greater, even greater things than what, what their, uh, what their dreams were. Uh, if they will just see past that, that difficulty in the moment uh, to, um, to, to believe something more. And that's what the great opportunity for pregnancy help is to come in and, and help her achieve that. So grateful to your team, Krista. Thanks for keeping an eye on things as they change. Uh, we know that uh, there probably be more changes as the uh, abortion industry not only continues to adapt and change to, be, to maximize their profit and also uh, at the behest of very powerful political uh, opportunists as well. Um, so we know that there'll be more to do. Thanks for manning the wall and grateful for your you and your nurses uh, who are answering that hotline 24/7 365 uh, helping women walk through that decision. They don't all they don't all agree to that and we're certainly not here to force them to do that uh, but we definitely are glad we can be here for the options. All right. Well, thank you. And I'm I'm looking at the white paper now and there's just so much information in here. There are charts and graphs and there are um, examples of some of the things that were referenced, even the examples of what women might be seeing online as far as ads for the abortion pill. And so um, this is just helpful to understand what your clients are up against. So I would encourage our listeners to share that. I'll include the download link uh, you can also share this episode. I think it's the conversation also just adds so much to the information that's in the white paper. So please share 
please subscribe. And with that, thank you for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.